Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, February 7th. We begin with an update on the ongoing protest to end COVID mandates and restrictions in downtown Ottawa. We get the latest from the demonstration, which included seven arrests over the weekend, from David Aiken, chief political correspondent with Global News. Next, we kick off our health series focusing on mental health during the pandemic. This time out, Global News contributor John Jang examines the connection between physical activity and mental well-being. Then it's our weekly conversation with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Dr. Jablonski breaks down the latest research on one of the most widely used sleep aids, melatonin, and what you need to know about the popular supplement. And finally, another edition of Motivational Monday. This week, we hear the local success story of Toolshed Beer. We speak with brewery founder Graham Sherman, who shares his story from leaving a career in IT to running one of the most loved craft breweries in the province. The city of Ottawa late Sunday declared a state of emergency in response to the convoy protesters, which continue to occupy the downtown core of the nation's capital. And that's where we find our chief political correspondent, David Aiken, this morning at our parliamentary bureau in the midst of this protest. Good morning to you, David. Morning. Yeah, I'm standing. I'm actually 14 floors up in our parliamentary bureau, looking right out over the War Memorial, the Shadow Laurier, the East Walk. You've probably seen the, the scenes. Dare I say, and I don't want to jinx it, but it's been quiet this morning. Uh, for the This is day 11. We're on day 11 of this thing. And every other day when we've come downtown, uh, you know, by 8 a.m. local time, uh, the truckers here are on their air horns. And they're on their air horns right until, you know, close to midnight. It's been driving the residents of the area nuts. Uh, you can't believe how loud it is. Um, but this morning, it's been quiet. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's because the mayor, as you mentioned, declared a state of emergency yesterday. Not really sure what that means, other than it makes it easier for the city to buy things. The city doesn't have any new legal powers. Um, maybe that helps the provinces or the feds get involved. There was a bunch of arrests overnight, seven arrests, mostly mischief charges, some alcohol charges. There was uh, 60 investigations underway. The police last night cleared a major supply depot that the protesters had organized uh, that was out of the downtown core nearby. A lot of fuel uh, in jerry cans, et cetera, food. Police went in, cleared that, confiscated that. We did have an incident uh, over the weekend of an individual, a resident in an apartment building, um, saw on, their, on the building's security video camera, someone comes into the, uh, the vestibule in the front door, with some material to start a fire, tries to light the building on fire after wow. taping the front doors shut. Wow. Uh, fire went out. Nobody was harmed. This individual identified themselves as a protester. And this is where we get into some tough stuff because the organizers, you probably heard, they've got their social media accounts up. They say, we're peaceful. We're not doing anything. We're just, you know, you see pictures of people dancing, family pictures. Fair enough. But clearly with the number of arrests we've had, we've had lots of reports of people walking around in masks downtown, getting verbally assaulted, physically assaulted for wearing masks. And then we have this attempt at arson. So certainly the, some protesters are peaceful, but there's an element that has arrived in town now over which the police have no control that are causing a lot of problems. Residents are on edge. and. That's why we're in a state of emergency. Wow, that's pretty shocking to hear. You know, on that note, uh, the mini gas depot that you mentioned there where they, the police have taken away the jerry cans and that. So now the, the truckers are going to have to leave to go and fuel up and then they will not be allowed back into that area, will they? That, that is presumably the, the police strategy, but I can tell you that we still have reports. You, I mean, I, I will do this as I go walking around the, the blocks today where 
you know, people are walking up uh, to a truck with uh, a jerry can. So they're getting it close. They'd have to walk several blocks. I mean, even on the weekend, I don't know if you saw this video, it, it, somebody had got an old chuck wagon. It looked like the Calgary Stampede. There was a chuck wagon drawn by horses filled with fuel. That wow. was Actually, the police stopped it. They wouldn't let it go any further. But, uh, you know, just as we saw, you know, guys on horseback and uh, down at Coots, um, we saw people on horseback riding around downtown uh, downtown Ottawa on the weekend. You mentioned the you know, seven arrests yesterday, the hundred tickets, and uh, the confiscation uh, confiscation of the fuel, food, and supplies, as mentioned. What more could be done by officials and by law enforcement today and, and over the coming days, David? Uh, this is going to be a question we might hear about actually in an Ottawa courtroom today, because there's a there's a court hearing at one o'clock on a lawsuit that some residents brought on Friday. They want, A, they're suing the protesters for $10 bucks, but they also want the judge to issue an order to say, get out of town. And the judge said, um, one, of the, one of the issues he has is, how does he issue an order that he knows can be enforced? He said this in the court, so he's going to come back into court at, at 1 o'clock Eastern today, and that's one of the things he has to address is, uh, if a judge says, right, everybody out of the court, who's going to enforce that? Because the police have said... The, the Ottawa police have said they don't have the ability to physically remove everybody. Um, and so, you know, what strategies are left? Now, I can tell you that the people who are the truckers and the, and the vehicles that are parked illegally in downtown Ottawa are getting ticketed every four hours. So every four hours, it's like this is going to be the fees but we do that these people are going to have to pay and they won't get their insurance. Um, you know, that uh, that's a big deal. If you're if you're a professional driver, your insurance won't be renewed. You can't get your plates if you don't have cleared all these tickets. And right now we know that the there's new funding arrangements being put in place for these protesters. Remember the GoFundMe thing got shut down. All the money that if you donated to these guys via GoFundMe, it's all going back to the uh, automatically to you. But there's a new group, uh, that new online group that's been set up to raise money. Apparently they got $2 million. So, so who knows? Uh, this, you know, we're going to keep an eye on this court hearing and uh, and see where things go. There, there, there clearly has been a few rigs that have left um, over, over the weekend, but uh, still enough that things are completely still gummed up downtown. And finally, David, we know Liberals, New Democrats, Bloc Québécois MPs all have been calling for authorities to put an end to this demonstration. And now it sounds like at least some Conservatives are doing the same. So is it maybe quiet there because protesters are realizing their support is quickly dwindling? Well, it could be. I mean, that is definitely something we're tracking now. So until, believe it or not, Aaron O'Toole, like, before he'd been fired, the Conservatives were united in their support for the Trekkers convoy. But after he got fired last Wednesday, we saw some cracks in the Conservative unity. Lesbridge MP, Rachel Thomas, she had an op-ed on the weekend. You might have seen it. She was declaring her support for the Trekkers. But her Conservative caucus colleague from Quebec, a guy named Pierre Paulus, he's a former colonel in the Army, he uh, he's been out saying these are these this is protest is no longer legitimate. He called it radicals and anarchists. He says it's the siege of Ottawa and they have to be removed. And he's been joined by another Eastern Ontario MP also saying the same thing. And then there's this. Remember, we have a our first leadership contestant for the Conservative Party jumped in on the weekend. That's Pierre Polyev. He's a fan favorite of the Conservatives. They love him. So he's in the race. He's saying on his social feed he wants to be prime minister. I wonder what he thinks of the state of emergency, the guy who wants to be prime minister, because he's also an Ottawa MP, and we haven't heard from him. Hmm. Speaking of prime ministers, the, the national capital under state of emergency, haven't heard from the prime minister himself either. Justin Trudeau has nothing but private events on his schedule today. I don't think we'll see him a question period. So 
Nothing from the Prime Minister, nothing from the guy who wants to be Prime Minister about the fact we're in a state of emergency in our nation's capital. Thank you so much for the update, David. Appreciate your time this morning. Okay, thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. David Aiken, Chief Political Correspondent for Global News. Today, we are kicking off our health series, focusing on stress, wellness, and mental health during the pandemic. In this installment of the series, we'll be looking at the impact that hitting the gym has on our mental health. If there's one thing we've learned throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, it's just how important physical exercise really is. Not just for our bodies, making sure we're active and in good shape, but also for our mental health. Sarah Hodson, the president and CEO of Live Well Exercise Clinic, can explain. We've long known how much our mental health can benefit from physical activity. Uh, the research is, is definitely there. Uh, but this is the first time that just... Um, as people, we felt it, right? Um, that back when March 2020, our first lockdown. Um, and, you know, there was a different few scenarios that really kind of fleshed this out for people. There was the all of, all of a sudden working from home aspect where we weren't in the office, maybe getting up from our desk and walking to even just use the washroom or the lunchroom or um, walking up and down the stairs to, you know, go out and grab a coffee, getting some fresh air, all of these natural ways that we actually would move our body when we're working in an office space and with a team were kind of taken away from us. And so I think for the first time, Canadians really felt the impact of this more sedentary life and this lack of physical activity and the toll that it was taking on our mental health. Dr. Eli Putterman, an associate professor at the School of Kinesiology at the University of British Columbia, explains the chemical process that turns physical exercise into very useful brain fuel. Like when we contract our muscles, we release this, uh, this compound called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that actually enters our brain and helps our brain think better and feel better. And there's also endocannabinoids, the internal cannabinoids or internal marijuana pretty much that happens within our body and in our brain when we move our bodies and that's what helps us stay so calm when we're working out and after we're working out that's what makes us feel calm so there's so much that is happening within our body within our brains that really leads to this feeling of more positive and also more calm in, in within our within our days and while so many different industries and businesses have struggled through the global pandemic, some gyms and fitness centers have seen a significant rise in membership numbers in the past two years. People are more in a state of readiness than ever before. And so I believe that as we psych psychologically free ourselves from maybe the fear of participating um, in by going into a gym, by coming into a Live Well exercise clinic, um, you know, we are going to see membership levels rise drastically. And when we look globally, that is what we're seeing. We are seeing countries who are ahead of us. They're, they're exceeding pre-pandemic membership levels in fitness. People are running back to fitness in a big way. And Canada is the next to see this trend. And I believe that it is needed and is exciting. And it's an opportunity for all Canadians to be more active. Dr. Putterman has one theory as to why so many of us are now signing up at the gym, even beyond the physical benefits. The Canadian Medical Association has stated that for mild to moderate depression, a first line of attack for depression uh, should not be medication, but should be physical activity, psychological support, and physical activity is now being pushed. 
But while some gyms and fitness centers have enjoyed a surge in interest and membership, they've also had to endure closures and lockdowns. You know, it's um, it's it's definitely been a, a really challenging two years for the fitness industry. And, you know, we are a group of, of businesses and professionals who are committed to safely serving the best interests of Canadians. Um, so being closed at times has been sometimes confusing. It has been, you know, riddled with anxiety and stress. Um, but ultimately, I think that it has created a movement amongst the public to truly, again, understand and redefine what fitness meant to them. Traversing the COVID-19 pandemic is not easy. We are challenged every single day to stay healthy and happy. But now we know that committing ourselves to physical exercise is just another way of doing exactly that. For the 2022 Health Series, I'm John Jay. Yeah, incredible. And I think we all know it. I was just thinking when we were hearing John's piece there, uh, you know, the feeling the runner's high, if you've not experienced that, and it's not even have to be running. When you're doing intense exercise, yeah. that feeling of, I think it might be endorphins. I'm mm-hmm. not the brightest yep. bulb in the pack. I believe you're correct. That feeling you get, and when you're doing it consistently, you want to come back to that feeling. And yes. you know it's nothing but good for you. It's different than taking a drug or having a few drinks. This is, in or gambler's high, or whatever it might be. Yeah, makes this you is, feel good. Oh, it really does. That's during, and then the calm after. And I know part of it is being done something perhaps we didn't find the most enjoyable, like as far as a commitment working out. When you're in the car or when you're walking out of the gym, that feeling in your body, that relaxation, I think that's the blood flow and it, you just feel better. And that you've accomplished something. I think the hardest part is just getting yourself there, right? Whether it's out the door with your running shoes on or to the gym, sometimes that can be the hardest, most monotonous piece of it. But once you start doing it and create a habit, then it just becomes second nature and it really truly does. And it's easy to fall off that too. When you stop going to the gym for even a month, you fall out of the habit and you have to, you know, work back up to it, but there is nothing better. And I, I, you know, you and I were talking off air, our our company does an incentive thing where we can join the YMCA for a, a reduced cost. And I think, you know, that should be something that every business does. When I was thinking, yeah, whether or not the business itself or, you know, we, we look at our health system and, you know, our plans, you know, by companies, for example, whether it's fully covered or 50%. And what you can do is, well, it's good for the economy also. These sure. gyms would open up. They could hire more employees, more personal trainers, all that maybe spruce up the equipment. But you could have it tied to, hey, you have to go at least once a week. So 50 times a, a year, mm-hmm. for example, or else you can lose that prescription. Or yeah, that and that's what ours is like. Yeah, yeah. So oh, we yeah. have a certain number of times that we have to go. Mm-hmm. And it really, in the back of your mind, is always there. Or you have to pay full price for your membership. If you want to go back, you're going to have to pay to play. Yeah. But I think that in the end, like you say, and we've heard this time and time again as well, which is it has to be as convenient, whether it's next to your office, very close to your house, or on your route home. Because you know what? The excuse monster will take care of you every time. But, you know, as John said in his piece, too, right at the beginning, they talked about, you know, taking the stairs instead of the elevator, parking your car at the back of the parking lot. If that's the best that you can do, that's great. And that is an excellent start. It may lead to more or maybe that's all you can do right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. You are uh, without a coworker a lot of the times throughout the morning because every time we have a commercial break, there's a washroom that's, I don't know, 20 feet from here. Yes. I walk not to the, the one, one you use. It's 100, and then I'll walk like an, an extra loop around. I actually caught back. you doing laps you, one you, day. you see it. Gets the blood flow going for yeah. me, and I'm that idiot who counts my steps. So if I can get a few thousand steps while I'm here, I feel like I've accomplished something. Hopefully it's helping. You never know, right? But It is. It, it, it's you have changed. 
I've gotten taller. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that in the end, whatever works for you. And I remember back when you were a teen, you had to park right outside the door of the grocery yes. store. It feels good to not do that. No, and and your car is safer too. Nobody's going to ding it if you park <laughs> way, way away. Hey, listen, we talked earlier, National Park prescription. A doc, Some doctors within yeah. this program can now prescribe a National Park Pass. So there are lots of great options out there and things that you can do. You don't have to get a membership because no. you can do, you can work out outside as well. Look online for ideas of how to work out outside in the fresh air. Don't need to pay a penny for it, but just do something. It will help make you feel better. Cheaper than a psychologist. Yeah, you know it. It's a widely used supplement to help with sleep, but just how safe is it? The effects of melatonin are being used to study, uh, studied by researchers from the Mayo Clinic and Beijing University, and in particular, the long-term use of the popular sleep aid. Our on-call family physician, Dr. Ted Jablonski, joins us now to discuss the topic. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Let's talk about this. You know what? I'm going to out her right here. Sue says that she's a melatonin user. I am. And I remember a few months ago, I was, I was, I was a baby aspirin user, and we talked to you about baby aspirin, and I don't use that daily now. So is Sue going to have to change her ways? No. Well, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so melatonin, there is a place for it, but it's limited. should be used short term. So our belief is today that um, there may be some benefit off it if you use it just a few nights here and there, use it wisely. Extremely good for jet lag or where you've been thrown off by a, a time cycle. Less effective if you use it every single night, unfortunately. Really? Okay, so uh, unhealthy to use it every night or it just becomes less effective? It's probably less effective. I'm not sure about the unhealthy. So melatonin has a... It, it perhaps might be one of the more safer things out there when we talk about sleep. Sleep meds, for um, for the most part, are very, very problematic. Uh, most are quite highly tolerance building, uh, namely addictive if you use it too much and will lose their effect. So amongst a bad group of meds, melatonin might be the safest thing going but it does seem to have a sweet spot and it does ha- seem to have a limited use. So if you use it continuously, you probably will build somewhat of a tolerance to it. So it's less effective for you. So best in moderation. So I'm wondering, uh, Dr. Jablonski, then for those folks who have a hard time getting to sleep, staying asleep, are there any natural you know, remedies that you recommend? So this is, we talk about sleep hygiene, and this is all the the getting a routine in place, not using your screen too much so you're getting too much stimulation, um, you know, just winding it down, uh, being much more quiet, the lights uh, being dimmer, less, uh, less volume of sound around you, sleeping in a very dark room. Getting that routine down pat might be the most effective thing we still have it's not sexy. Um, uh, people <laughs> try it, doesn't work sometimes, but that's probably your best bet. In regards to other supplements, we've, we've talked about a million supplements over the years, and nothing is perfect. So everything sometimes works for a period of time. In regards to our meds, they're, they're sedative, they're tolerance building, they're problematic. Um, you know, yeah, so I'm painting a pretty grim picture here. Uh, but yeah, the old school rules still apply, and every there, there's nothing sort of earth-shattering new out there that has revolutionized this field, which still is really a big problem for a lot of people who oh. really can't sleep and really struggle with it. Dr. J, I'm calling you at midnight tonight because I won't take my melatonin. Uh, thank you. It is good to know, though. I mean, you know, knowledge is power, right? So thank you so much for updating us on that. 
Okay, you betcha. Appreciate it. Dr. Ted Jablonski is our on-call family physician. This is Motivational Monday. A chance to get you motivated today and beyond. This morning, we're speaking with Graham Sherman, owner of Calgary's Tool Shed Brewery. Graham's story took him from working in a real job, a real uh, non, <laughs> non-beer-related non job, I believe in the world of tech, to helping him make the leap to becoming an entrepreneur in the competitive world of craft beer. Good morning to you, Graham. Good morning. How are you folks this morning? Good. Well, I'm glad to see and hear you so cheery, bright and early with us. We appreciate that. And uh Tell us about your story, because literally, if you hop on the website, it gives a little bit of background, and I've had the chance to, to meet you a couple of times. Taking a hobby to a successful business, how did it all start, Graham? Oh, yeah, it, well, it's terrifying. I, I used to work in, uh, as you mentioned, it was government and military IT infrastructure over in Afghanistan. So I did, you know, NATO secret clearance level tactical communication networks. But when I was back home in Calgary, I was just obsessed with hobbies and adding, you know, my geekiness to, to the hobbies that I love, like roasting coffee and barbecuing competitively and ultimately making beer in my backyard tool shed. And uh, I think it, you know, like any entrepreneur, that moment where, you know, for me it was, I just saw everyone around me so in love with what I was creating. You start to think, what if I didn't have to go back to that job? What if I could, you know, make beer for a living? And, and, uh, as terrifying as that uh, as that leap is, as a husband and a father, and uh, you know, with all the bills to pay, I, oof, you jump off that cliff and you say, "Let's do it." You quit your job and <laughs> you start to start to go after the dream, right? Well, Graham, we're glad you did, but really, leaving like a career like that and then turning it into what you've done is just amazing. So, you know, in order to inspire others who maybe have a dream to, to kick something off like this, how did you get the funds together to launch a new business? That must have been pretty scary to try and do that. Yeah, and that's, I think, the, one of the most important things is I didn't have any funds. I spent all my money on <laughs> barbecues that tweet you and, and uh, you know, <laughs> toys in the tool shed. And, uh, and banks laughed at my, my uh, thoughts of starting a barbecue and investors weren't interested in, because at that time it was actually illegal to do what we were trying to do in Alberta. So we could not raise funds, but I think it was because I had so much passion about what I was going after that uh, the people that had known me for 20 years, my friends and family, you know, I started hearing, well, we don't know about beer and we don't know about business, but we believe in you. Mm. And they started uh, investing, and that's a lot of times how you have to start is um, if you're driving with passion, the people around you that have known you should know that you're going to pull it off and start investing. And that's what started to uh, to snowball into banks then getting behind us. And, and, uh, and we still had to be super creative. We came up at one point when we were short a half a million dollars with a Beer for Life program where, you know, 100 people we charged – five thousand dollars a piece and gave them beer for life and we raised you know half a million dollars wow. and I, ideas like that come from crying in your bed at night because <laughs> you don't know how to pull it off right well apparently it worked out and now i'm uh, not exactly crying <laughs> in your beer it's it's doing very well the brand so i'm wondering um i'm sure you've learned a few lessons along your journey and i'm not sure if you're one of those guys who has the motivational posters up in in the office or not but uh, what are some of the tips you can share with our listeners things that you draw on or or, or think of or, or um, you know your personal mantra if you will graham yeah you know for me it's always drive with passion it was actually a quote that i got from a great friend that was survived who survived stage four cancer and his 
his mantra was always that, always drive with passion. I think that's just as important in business. I, I'm also never afraid to, like I said, cry in my bed at night. That's when I do my best thinking is, is you know, when my back's against the wall, I know I go into my bed at night. It could be 3 a.m. And, and I'm thinking, I can't let these people around me fail. I have to think of something. And you come up with some really creative ideas. But also, I, I love the thought of having you know, a great community around you that you can talk to. Like when I had kids, I, all my friends changed and I, I started talking to people that also had just had kids and we could cry about, you know, what the heck do we do when this baby cries all night? But when you start a business, it's the same. You need those people around you that are also struggling so you don't feel alone. It's for your mental health and it's also for the success of thinking up ideas from other people in your entrepreneurial community. Graham, your thoughts on this? Would you say, it, it, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's thinking of making a move and making a big change like you did, would you say it's the smart thing to do to just, you know, just turn the page, go whole hog and jump into the new career or, you know, kind of dabble with things on the side and, and start the ball rolling a little bit that way before you do it? Yeah, I am not a dabbler. I'm, I jump off, like, the toe touch, putting your toe in the water is not my style. I jump <laughs> off the cliff, and, and you know your toe's going to hit the water. But I think more importantly, there are so many great resources around the city. Um, I have a friend that owns a business called Work Nicer, and their mantra is work for yourself, not by yourself. And so you can have, like, a shared community, you know, atmosphere when you're starting your your journey that you don't have to be at a desk in your basement stressed about how to pull it off. There's a whole bunch of other people around you that are doing the same thing. And that's, that's hugely important. I think to uh, make sure that you know that you're on the right track and, and bounce ideas off other starting up entrepreneurs. Taking care of, you know, business, one thing, but also mental health and, and physical health. Since I've known you, Graham, I've, I've seen on social media, I'm not sure if it's if it's new to you, but over the past handful of years, uh, you you become very physically active as well, not not without scrapes and bruises, but is that something that's newfound for you? Is that something that's a getaway and, and helps recharge your batteries? Well, I, it's it's hugely important for sure. I, I know that my... my uh, Physical health is connect, directly connected to my, my mental health. But what I do that's a bit strange is I do these ultra marathons and, uh, and, I, and they're trail running usually. And I love getting out on the mountain. And it's, it's kind of strange, but I know I'm out there to suffer alone and show myself that I could get over the mountain. And it's, it's a total metaphor for me for my business, getting out there and running and it hurts. And, you know, I haven't trained enough and doctors would say you shouldn't do it. Huh. But somehow you find your way across that mountain it's uh, it's completely a, uh, a metaphor for what I go through every day in my business. So every once in a while, I sign up for an Ironman or a 200-kilometer ultramarathon, and I know I'm going to lose some toenails, but I'm going to get across that mountain. You really are a jump-off-the-cliff kind of guy. Okay, I want to ask you about this. is <laughs> yeah. your chance to toot your horn about your beer. Toolshed beer, fantastic. And I know a lot of people do dry January, dry February. Yeah. So you've got a new alcohol-free beer that we could tell people about. Yeah, there was also sober October, and I thought, holy smokes, a quarter of the year is, is dry. We better do something for this. Um, and it, But there's a lot to be said about the social responsibility of, of wanting to have a beer, but also being able to drive home safe, take your kids to volleyball, be a good husband after work, want to work out at the end of the day. And, and so the problem is 
I just thought most non-alcoholic beers tasted like crap. So mm-hmm. we developed this brand new device with uh, the manufacturer of our brew house, and we actually can put our normal beers through this machine, and it creates a completely non-alcoholic version. It tastes amazing. Oh. If anybody's tried our, our flagship beer, People Skills, the non-alcoholic version, of course, is called Zero People Skills. <laughs> and it's just launched. We're uh, supporting... Um, uh, the Canadian Cancer Society this month for dry February with every pint and every four pack sold. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a great way to show people that even non-alcoholic beer still uses all Alberta barley and uh, all the great things that go into Alberta craft beer. Good for you. That's awesome. Incredible. Thank you uh, so much. Uh, we appreciate your time and we didn't even uh, get into the barbecue aspect. That could be a different <laughs> motivational money because uh, you and I are brothers from a different mother. I could do the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Come visit me. Yeah, we can play on barbecues for sure. Notorious PIG is the name and they are award winning. So yes. thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your time and your motivation this morning, Graham. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. Hope to see you at the brewery soon. Absolutely. That's Bye for now. You too. Andy's treating us. <laughs> That's Graham Sherman, owner of Tool Shed Brewery online at toolshedbrewing.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.